glad to have you here with us, worshiping and praising the Lord this morning. Savior is born on Christmas Day to 
Maybe on. There we are. If you'd please pass the friendship folders down the aisle this morning, that would be great and help us to be able to better minister to you and your family. Um, what a great last uh, Sunday was last Sunday. Uh, just a fun time loving on Pastor John and his wife, and uh, we're thankful for all the excitement that we had around that and just, uh, just being able to send him on. And uh, he's doing well, and he'll be heading on to Texas here any day now, and so we're just uh, praying for him. And so thank you for the, the church family, the excitement that we had there. And I'll tell you what, we, we just got, we got done with that, and we went right into this dinner, dessert theater, I'm sorry, Christmas dessert theater. So there are still a few tickets left for tonight. The chairs are arranged differently, as you can see, for the, from the uh, event. And uh, 
So there's still a few tickets left tonight. If you'd like some tickets, go to the Welcome Center. You can grab a few tickets there for tonight. Bring somebody along. We're going to have a great time. God has been blessing. God has been moving. It's been some exciting times uh, this past week, Friday night and Saturday night. We've just seen God move, and people are coming to Christ. So we thank you for your prayers. We thank you for your your participation and encouragement. And so today, we'd like to, uh, I'd like to also remind you of our Christmas Eve service coming up. As you exit today, we're going to give you a little invite. And I'd like to encourage you to, just to take, take that in faith and go invite somebody. Uh, just put it in somebody's hand, maybe a neighbor. Maybe you want to make a box of cookies and give to your neighbor. I think that's a great thing to do. If you were my neighbor, I'd be happy with that, right? Uh, just put that, in, put that in the box and say, here, uh, you know, if you don't have anything going on on Christmas Eve, we have a couple, a couple services. I'd like to invite you to our church for Christmas Eve. We're at 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock. So those will be available on the way out. And then we have our Christmas offering, our, our birthday gift to Jesus. 75000 is a is a rather large goal, and we are, we are so far at $18,700. And we're just asking the Lord to provide this, and I'm asking you to, to do your part. So first of all, if you would pray about your part. Remember our four-part formula for success. Pray. First of all, pray. We're going to come and seek the Lord. The Lord is the one who can provide these funds. It is uh, his missionaries, his needs, and so we're going to seek the Lord. Pray with us. Number two, if you would prioritize. Make a plan. I think if we don't make a plan, it doesn't happen. Uh, we, if, if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. And so that's what we want to do. We want to make a plan and prioritize, okay? I want to give to the missions offering and, and, uh, and, and give by faith. And, you know, the third part is to give by faith. In our family, we ask the Lord to give us an amount. And as the Lord provides that money, when we see it come in, we're able to give it to Him. And uh, we, we make that a priority. And, and so that when that money comes in, we have other things this time of year you'd like to do, right? But we give it to the Lord and we, we invest in eternity. And then lastly, be thankful. Thank God for the opportunity. So uh, we'll just put that thermometer up there and uh, just remind you of, our, of where our progress is and begin to pray and pray about your part and look through that list of missionaries. I would encourage you, take that list home and, and maybe identify one that you say, well, I'd like to pray particularly over this particular one. I know many people in our church have been to Ecuador, so we have a lot of people thinking about Ecuador. Uh, some have been to the Philippines. We think a lot about the Philippines. Uh, we think about the different missions all over the place there. So let's, uh, let, let's begin to pray and just look over that list and ask the Lord to make His provision and just watch what God does. It's a miracle to watch God bring this in. So today we have one of our missionaries with us, the Bergs, Jeff and Arlene Berg. They are missionaries right here in Pittsburgh to our Jewish community. So would you welcome Jeff and Arlene Berg this morning as they give us a, a little report back. Good morning. Boy, it sure is good to be with you this morning. Um, Philippians 4.17 says, Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. And how we thank you these many years for supporting the ministry God has given us. It's enabled us uh, to share the gospel right now with Vicki, an unsaved Jewish woman who's listening to all the messianic prophecies. And going into the Jewish home where we have a Yiddish club, believe it or not, a worship service where Jewish people are hearing, where we interact with people from the community who go into the home and residence and just having people in our home. Thank you so much. 
for your part in this ministry that God has given us so many years. Thank you. One of the highlights of our ministry is having a, a night to honor Israel. And each time we have done it through our church at Grace Baptist in Monroeville, uh, the interest, especially in the Jewish community, has just been getting more and more excited. People are talking about it, and they always keep asking, when are you going to have your next one? Well, one of the uh, project we always try to support a project for Israel um, when we have these gatherings. And this year, the Lord really uh, uh, burdened our hearts to do something very big. And we're going to support an ambulance. And uh, you can put the picture up. There it is. There's a couple others. Uh, the ambulances are made in Elkhart, Indiana. Uh, they're donor-based. Uh, the, the nation of Israel does not uh, support them. It comes from donors like you and me. And uh, this is the first time, from what we've learned through uh, Magen David Adom, which is similar to the American Red Cross, that's Israel's version, where the Christian community and the Jewish community are going to be endeavoring together to support one of these to ship over to Israel. And our church is going to be leading the way, which is quite exciting. And uh, to equip one, to build one and equip one of these is $100,000. But we saw recently in the Jerusalem Post uh, a headline that read, and I'm sure a lot of you have read about the uh, the, the terror attacks have been happening through the Palestinians, and uh, it said, a knife in the heart of Israel. Well, we're going to be giving the good news in the heart of Israel. And one way is by just having compassionate righteousness and showing great love, which in turn uh, brings about questions like, why do you love us so much? And more than so many times we've had opportunities to share. So continue to keep praying for us. We thank you for how just your unending faithfulness that you've had for us over all these years. It's been fantastic. Thanks. These guys, I asked them in the first service, how long have we been supporting you? Since 1990. Yeah. Okay. That's incredible. 25 years. That's the year that I started on staff here as youth pastor. Oh. And, uh, and I'll never forget, they came on a Thanksgiving Eve service, and Pastor had them up sharing their ministry. And I'm sitting there in the back, I'm like, who are these people, you know? And uh, God has blessed them, and we've developed a great friendship. They love the Lord. They love the people. You walk down uh, the streets of Squirrel Hill with these guys. That's where we're at, right, Squirrel Hill? Walking down the streets of Squirrel Hill in the heart of the Jewish center, and everybody knows their name. And they respect them, and they, they call them their friends. And it's really, really exciting because, um, and, and they introduce us, and it's like, you know, it, it, they're such, such a great ministry. So they took us to a nursing home. They go into a nursing home, and they, they, they open up God's Word. And so I think Jeff was sharing with me, the, the one guy was in their study. He's 103 years old. What's that? A lady. Okay, this lady was 103 years old in the study. And I was, I was just overwhelmed to meet somebody that's 103 years old, you know. She was 103 years old, and he goes, and then he's walking by, he goes, and she accepted Christ on her 99th birthday. Isn't that exciting? So, and, and they prayed with her to receive the Lord. And so when you give to the Christmas offering, 
this is what it does. God goes out and he, he uses it for his glory and he's reaching people. So I love these people and I know us as a church, we love them. Uh, we, we go over and we have a, a, a lunch with them every now and then at the Smallman Street Deli over there. And if you ever want to do that, you just call them up. They're great tour guides, all right? So uh, let's welcome them and give them a hand. Thank you, guys. This morning, let's uh, receive our morning offering. And uh, I'll ask the gushers to come forward. Let's all stand together. We're glad that you're here today. We're thankful for the Bergs and um, just precious, precious servants of the Lord there. Let's bow in prayer. Our Father and our God, we come before you and we thank you for all that you are. Thank you for all that you've given to us, Lord. You've, you've moved mightily in our life. You provide for us. You're, you're the great provider. And so, Lord, we thank you for all that you've given to us. And now as we stop and pause, and we are able to give back to you, Lord. We, we honor you with these gifts. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'll bless each gift and each giver. Thank you, Lord, for how you've sustained the church, how you, how you meet our needs for, for your God. Thank you for the people that are coming to Christ, Lord. Just this week, we've seen an incredible harvest um, all week long. Really, all week long, we've been hearing of how you're moving downstairs, hearing kids come to Christ, moving in adults' lives, people coming to Christ, and then Friday night and Saturday night, people coming to Christ. And then even tonight, Lord, we ask for the harvest to continue. Thank you, Lord, for how you're moving, and we give you the honor and the glory. We ask that you'll bless this offering in your name. Amen. You may be seated, please. No pen or quill, no scribe and perfect skill with flawless words could capture all you are. No lofty thought, no scholar of this world could grasp an inch of such infinity. Though we cannot comprehend such a mystery, just a glimpse of
hear the trumpet sound You'll lead us home Right on the clouds Where we will stand Begin our Christmas series. He will be called. Uh, if you have your Bibles, let's head on over to Isaiah chapter nine. Isaiah chapter nine is where we're going to be. Uh, it's going to be the verse that's going to thrust us through our series. And uh, if you're out there and you're sharing with people about the church, you can share with them the current series. Is he will be called. You know that's uh, the, the verse that we're going to park on is a verse that you see quite often. You see it on the. Uh, on Christmas cards, you see it in the malls, you'll see it all over the place. And, uh, you know, it it's really has some powerful meaning to it as you start to understand these names. Uh, when, you, when you look at names in the Old Testament, all right, there was a... Remember, the Old Testament, we, we talk about the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. So we have to understand a little bit of the Hebrew culture. And so some of the Hebrew culture... Part of it was that the names, they would, give the, they would give people a name not based upon how it sound, but how it, what it meant. And you know, when we, when we give people a name in our culture, we think about how it sounds, right? We're, we're very concerned about how it sounds. You want it, to, you want it to be, you know, not an outdated name. Yeah, when, you, when you're naming your kids, you don't want to have an outdated name and you don't want to have a common name, right? You want to have something that's unique. I was just thinking about Josh Watts, you know, he's got six kids, and, uh, you know, uh, that whole gang, you know, how, after you have three kids, don't you run out of names? You know, you have all those names. You always thought about your favorite names, you would name a kid, and then after that, what do you start doing? And, and well, the rest is history, right? We see that with Josh and his family. But uh, I want you to think with me today about, 
about names. You know, you've got to be careful how you name somebody. Uh, you, could, you could really end up, you know, if you had the last name and the first name in our culture, how it sounds, you know. For example, there was a lady named Lois Price. Could you imagine that? She was the Lois Price. Um, uh, another lady, her name was Eileen Wright. Okay, Eileen Wright. Um, there was, uh, uh, Jeff Berg told me, he said, how about Pete's Moss? You know, Pete Moss? He said, uh, and so, but the, you know, think about it. When you, when you have those type of, type of names, we're, we're very concerned about how it sounds. But in the Hebrew culture, they weren't concerned about how it sounds. They were concerned about what it means. Because when they shared a name, they would name your child. They would name, give a name a meaning. The, the meaning is meant to everything. That's what it was all about. It wasn't about a sound. So we're going to be picking up in Isaiah chapter 9. And uh, we're going to go to verse 6. But at the beginning of chapter 9, we see a little bit of turmoil here. Uh, the background to this is it's 700 years before Jesus is born. So this is, there's a, pro, a prophetic... Uh, prophetic verse that we're going to look at, and it's 700 years before Jesus comes to the earth. And here we see there's a turmoil. At that point, there's turmoil. It's bleak. It's not a very good political situation for the nation of Israel. Sounds familiar in, uh, in our world today. But uh, at that point, it was like it was a bad picture. And there was more negative things that, that would have to come for the nation of Israel. But Isaiah the prophet says here, he says in, in verse 1 of chapter 9, nevertheless, nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Um, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. And so in this portion of Scripture, he's contrasting light and darkness. Darkness and light. And he's making, he's showing a difference. So you read the chapter before, you read this chapter, you see this difference of light and darkness. And he says here that, that the time of darkness will dis, and despair will not go on forever. The darkness will dissipate because the light is coming. There is a light coming. And Isaiah 9, 6 is the prophetic verse about the light that was to come. Uh, would you read this with me off the screen out loud here? For unto us a child is born... Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This morning we're going to stop and pause here on the first name there, the Wonderful Counselor. Uh, the first thought in your notes here this morning is that the Wonderful Counselor indicates the character of the coming King Jesus. 700 years earlier, the prophet Isaiah, he's saying, listen, there's a king coming, and he's going to be the light. That, he's going to cast out the darkness. It's going to be an exciting thing. And not only is the, he going to be the king, he is going to be the wonderful counselor. And so we get to see the character of who he is. The word for wonderful means this. It means, uh, the Hebrew word there is, is translated wonderful. It really means this, beyond understanding. It means too wonderful for words. The prophet Isaiah is saying here, he's saying, I am trying to tell you about the Messiah. He is so wonderful, you can't even describe him. I can't even find enough words to tell you how wonderful that Jesus is. And he's beginning to, to, to set this up. And we see all these names, and it's so powerful. Jesus is wonderful. 
He's incomprehensible. That's actually the third point on your paper there, if you're taking notes. We'll skip over point two and we'll come back to that. But Jesus is wonderful. He's incomprehensible. Um, In Judges, the book of Judges, chapter 13, the angel of the Lord appears before Manoah. That This is uh, Samson's parents. And he says, the angel of the Lord says to, to them, he says, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? My name is wonderful. Why are you asking my name? Seeing that I am wonderful, why do you ask my name? And and this this is powerful. This is who God is. He's coming to the earth. He's being made flesh. He's making his dwelling among us. Let's, Let's just consider this morning how wonderful that Jesus is. When you think about when you think about Jesus, often we don't think about him as part of the problem. We think about how unwonderful our life is at times. We think about how unwonderful the world that we live in is. But when we come and we think about Jesus, we think about, he, the prophet says he is too marvelous for words. He's wonderful. When he's saying that, he's saying this is a gigantic God. And this Jesus that's coming, he is the wonderful counselor. Um, let's consider a few things that make him wonderful. Number one was that he was born of a virgin birth. Um, John 1.14 says that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Right there, that's what Christmas is all about. As we prepare for the Christmas season, as, as you're marching on to the end of the month here, we, uh, we want to put that at the top priority. That's a little bit of a higher, a little bit more wonderful than all the gifts and all the wrapping and all the trimming that we've got to go through to get there, right? He is wonderful because he left heaven. Now, consider this. God in all his glory, he loves us. He sees that we have a problem. He knows that we need, need a Savior. And so God sends Jesus, God the Son, He leaves the splendor of heaven and comes and dies on the cross for us. He's born as a little baby, and that's what we celebrate this time of year. And and as as he grows, he lives this perfect life. Um, He left the splendor of heaven to save you. He's wonderful. Words can't even describe what he has done for us. Our gratefulness, our gratitude, we can't even comprehend how that God would leave heaven with all the glory and splendor, this incredible place in heaven, that he would leave all that and come and make his dwelling be born in a manger, be born where the animals are feeding, to be born in a lowly estate, and to live and make his dwelling among men. We can't even comprehend that. Matthew one twenty three says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is translated God with us. The wonderful counselor, not only is he wonderful, but he's with you. You have the wonderful counselor that goes with you everywhere you go. Uh, You go to work tomorrow, the wonderful counselor. If you've trusted Christ, you've started a relationship with him, the wonderful counselor goes with you. Emmanuel, God with us. See, his names keep revealing, and we we get to see his character. Uh, God with us. Uh, I was sharing with, with, uh, with a friend this week that you're never alone. Once you trust Christ as your Savior, you are never alone. Do you realize you may feel abandoned, you may feel empty, you may feel lonely, 
But you are actually never alone once you have trusted Christ because the wonderful counselor, he's that wonderful that he is not going to leave you. Hebrews said, uh, tells us that Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us. He is the wonderful counselor. Uh, he's, he's wonderful in that he has the power to heal. Uh, Matthew 4.23, Jesus traveled through the region of Galilee teaching in the synagogue and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. He had the power to heal. And as he walked about the earth, he didn't just come and he wasn't consumed with himself. He was consumed with the mission. The mission to bring people unto the saving knowledge of himself. To bring people to, 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 to redemption. And so now he walks around and as he's doing it, He's healing people. He's touching people's lives. He had teaching. His teachings were amazing. Mark 1.22 says that the people were amazed at his teachings. For he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of the religious law. So some of his teaching, let's consider some of his teaching. Blessed are those who mourn. Uh, that was counterintuitive to the way that the human mind would work. It was kind of the opposite way. If I'm mourning, and he says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Uh, he said, rejoice and be glad in persecution. Uh, when we, we face a lot of persecution. You will face persecution. It's, it's part of the life. And Jesus said, rejoice and be glad. He says, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Uh, now that was counterintuitive to the culture. The culture wasn't uh, about that. The, if you understand the Jewish culture, they, they didn't talk to people that they didn't like. Uh, they, they, they wouldn't associate with people. They, they, they treated people by class order. And if you weren't part of that class, they, they weren't going to come and associate. Jesus said, not so. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. He taught he had a different message. Um, Jesus is, a, is a wonderful, awe-inspiring, and he is superior to any other. He is perfect in all of his ways. He is the wonderful God of the universe. He lived a perfect life. He never sinned. That's why he's the only one who could take our price on the cross. He lived the perfect life. He rose from the dead. Uh, in Mark 16, 6, the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Jesus is our wise counselor. That's a, uh, the next thought in your notes. He's our wise counselor. Uh, when we understand what it, it says there, it says he's our wonderful counselor. Uh, that word counselor means to advise or to consult or to guide, um, to, to, to be a guiding factor. Somebody that you can consult. He's the wonderful counselor. Some people think that maybe it's just wonderful and then counselor, and other people think it's wonderful describing counselor. And as we look at the scripture, we can see how wonderful our God is. And we can also see the depths of his counsel. For he is our, our guide. He is the one who will guide you. At First Kings chapter 4, verse 34, we see here um, how that they talked about a good king. Solomon was a good king. And, and Solomon was known for his wisdom. And God has much more wisdom than that. But look what they said here of, of Solomon. Men of, nation, of all nations came to listen to Solomon's wisdom. Sent by all the kings of the world who heard of his wisdom. Wise kings portray, were portrayed as a counselor. 
Um, and so uh, it was kind of like a military term, kind of like a military strategist, all right? The, the wise, the wonderful wise king. He, could, he, was, he knew how to set up his army. He knew how to help his people. He knew how to make things happen. And that's what God does for us. And think about your life. God has the master plan. He has the strategy. And he is your wonderful counselor. He will guide you. He will advise you. He will take care of you if you will come and submit to him. A good king was known for his wise counsel. Uh, Isaiah 28 says this, this also comes from the Lord of hosts. He is, a wonder, he is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. All the wisdom. He has all the wisdom that you will need. He is more than a qualified counselor. I, you know, from time to time, people need to attend counseling. I think that that's okay. Um, for quite often, I have many friends and, and many people have encouraged me, hey, look, when you have a tough time, seek counsel. Uh, if you're going through things that you, can't, that you can't seem to bear, go sit down with a counselor. There's nothing wrong with that. That's actually very helpful. But God is bigger than a counselor. He is the counselor. He is with you. He goes with you every day. And you can come and you can lay down your burdens at his feet, but yet he's going to give you guidance. He's going to advise you. He's going to help you to go the next step of your life. He's going to help you lay out your life so that you can do what he has called you to do. He is the wise counselor. Colossians chapter 2 says this, My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. So if you want wisdom, it comes through Christ. He is your wonderful counselor. He's the one who's going to be able to disperse this wisdom and guide you. Uh, now think about this. Here, he's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the wonderful God of the universe. And yet he came to this earth as a wonderful counselor. And he was human. He lived and he was God and still human at the same time. And so when he came onto this earth, what, what, look what Hebrews says here in verse Chapter 4, verse 15 says this, For we do not have a high priest, and he's referring to Jesus, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. He says, listen, you're a wonderful counselor. Look at the word there. Who is unable to sympathize. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize. He understands what you're going through. Because he lived on this earth. He was tempted in every way that you will be tempted. Every way that you've been tempted or ever will be tempted. He has been tempted. It says right here. He has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet without sin. So he was the one who was able to, to do this perfect. We can't. And yet he can sympathize. He understands our needs. He understands our pain. He understands our hurt. Uh, we, have, we, we all have pain and hurt to deal with. There are things that, that, we, that we struggle with in this life. And Jesus understands because he lived this life, yet he did it without sin. That's the wonderful counselor that you have. 
And think about that. He's the wonderful counselor. He is with you all the time, and he understands you. Jesus was like no other. That's actually the second point in your notes if you're following along. You can go back up and fill that one in. King Jesus was like no other, for he came for the sick. He came to help the sick, to help the needy. When Jesus came, he came for those who were in need. Um, I want you to, uh, if you have your Bible, you could turn over to Luke chapter 5 and verse 27. Luke chapter 5 and verse 27. When Jesus was here on the earth, he, uh, he called his 12 disciples. And this is just a small look this morning at when he called Matthew, the tax collector. Uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his booth. That's, uh, that, that's, this is Matthew. And he says, follow me, Jesus said to him. Verse 28, and Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Now, you have to understand something here. A tax collector was a lowlife. A tax collector was not somebody that the Jewish people enjoyed. Uh, they're, uh, part of all the classes, now he was Jewish, but listen, they classified him. This, these are bad people over here. These were the sinner people. The tax collectors would cheat people on their taxes for their benefit. They were pad their own pockets. And, uh, and they were not well liked at all. And so these people over here, the tax collectors, they were not people that would be the first choice probably for Jesus to say, come and follow me. But he does. He comes to Levi and he says, come and follow me. Verse 29, then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors uh, and others were eating with them. So, so now here comes other tax collectors. And now it's not just Levi. Now there's multiple people here in this, in this situation where they're looking down upon these people. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? See, the Pharisees, they thought they had it all figured out, right? And they're saying, why do we look... Look, this is, this is a group of people over here that we don't associate with because we would never cheat anybody. And, and those people, they say things and they do things. and Well, we just don't do that. Jesus, why would you go hang out with them? Uh, not only did you call him, but you also, there's a whole group of them. There's a whole party. And look what Jesus says here. Jesus says here in verse 31, he answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So Jesus said, I need to hang out with these people. I need to be there. Why? Because I've come for the sick. I've come to help the, the sick that, they may, that I may free them of their sin. I'm calling them to repentance because these are the people that need it. And by the way, who is sick this morning? Let's think about that. Who is sick? All of us. There's no classification. It's all of us. We, we're all in this need of, uh, we all have this illness of sin. And it separated us from our, our, our God. And we come to Him, we accept Him as our Savior. And guess what? I still have the sin issue. I still have this illness, and I still have to go and, and see the doctor. You know, I, I'm one of those guys, I don't go to the doctor unless I'm sick. Is anybody else like that? You know? That's how, I, how I've tried to be until about a year ago. Um, somebody suggested I should, you know, as I'm getting older now, all right? They suggested I ought to go get a baseline, right? So I went to the doctor. And, uh, and he says, well, what are you here for? I said, I'm only here because somebody told me to come. 
I have no desire to be here. I'm, I feel fine. He goes, okay, I'll, I'll be the judge of that. And, you know, he listens and he says, okay, you're fine. I said, thank you, $100 later, right? And, uh, and, and we, we, had a, we had a good moment there. But he said, I'll see you back in six months. And I'm like, why do I need to come back in six months? He goes, well, we just need to make sure you're not sick. I said, well, I'll call you if I get sick. He says, no, you need to come in and we'll check up on you. So I came back six months later and I was still healthy. So I said, can we move this to a year apart, okay? And, and, and so now my doctor and I, we're working on this thing. But listen, when you're sick, you go to the doctor. The doctor's going to help you. And this is what Jesus says. He says, I have come not for the healthy, but for the sick. I haven't come for those people who think they're so good. See, he was contrasting the Pharisees. The Pharisees thought that they had it all. They thought that they didn't do anything wrong, and really their hearts were farther from God than most of the people they were condemning. Jesus said, I have come for the sick. And that's why he is wonderful. That is why our God is so wonderful, because he has come to heal the sick. He's come to heal our, sin, our sick, our sin issues. And think with me this morning about some of the things that you may be dealing with. Maybe you're like, I am in denial. I don't need to go see the doctor, right? And my doctor says, you'll be in, and we'll see you, and we're, we're going to keep an eye on things. That's what I need to do in my spiritual walk. I need to come in before the Lord. I need to check in, and, and he'll tell me if I'm sick, right? He'll, he'll heal me. He'll look at these things. But we need to start looking. Sometimes we're in denial. Where are you sick at this morning? What are, what are the things that, what are the burdens that you carry um, that, that can cause you to be sick? Uh, holidays can magnify both good and bad, can't they? You know, have you noticed that? It's like we're, we're, the race is on now. There's Christmas party after Christmas party. You have the office Christmas party. Then you have your best friend's Christmas party. And then you have the church Christmas party. And then you have party on top of party, right? And we're just moving at the speed of light until we get to December the 25th. And then it, it all kind of stops. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that can go, go crazy in here. You can get really down. I realize that for many people, this time of year is, is a tough time of year. Um, you, some people are dealing with heaviness, uh, hopelessness, loneliness, fear, stress. How am I going to get everything done? I mean, that, that's, that's a tough thought. How am I going to get everything done? And you just, you know, that, that comes up in our house. You know, well, we're not even ready for Christmas yet. Not, you know, then I make some stupid remark, right? You know, like... Um, we had all year to figure it out, you know? Why are we waiting until now? And that, that doesn't go over well. I'll just give you that husband insider there. Don't do that, okay? That's never been a good statement. But you, you see what happens? We, we get all stressed in, in, in these things, and we need, we need to come before the Lord and stop our worry. I need Him to take it from me. I've got to come before the wonderful counselor. I've got to let Him advise me. Uh, maybe it's money. Maybe it's loneliness. You name it. You fill in the, ba- fill in the blank. And the last thought this morning is this. Will you let the wonderful counselor heal your heart today? Let the wonderful counselor heal your heart today. You know, when you go and you sit down and you talk to a counselor, many times you sit down and you have a problem, and sometimes the counselor just listens. And other times the counselor will give you advice. And I want you to know this about our wonderful counselor. You can go before him, and his job is to guide you. That's who, his character. That's, that's who he is. He is wonderful. He guides. He protects. He is God. And you have the wonderful counselor with you. 
And so when you come, not only does he listen, but he's going to give you advice. He's going to guide you. We know that from Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. and all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. So I come before the Lord. It may be a health crisis. It may be a relationship crisis. You, you fill in the blank what's happening. And I come before him and I say, Lord, I need you to heal me. I need you to take my sin sickness. My sin, Lord. I need you to help me with this. And God begins to guide. And how does he do it? He does it through his word. So a couple ways. How do we let the healing begin with, with the wonderful counselor? How do we let him heal us? Uh, first of all, is to be honest with God. Open your heart and meet with God. Just be honest with Him. Uh, over in Luke and John chapter 4, there was a lady who was a, at a well. She was a Samaritan, and, uh, and Jesus was with his, his disciples, and they're cutting through that part of the country, and there, these Samaritans and Jews would never normally talk. And the Samaritan woman is at the well, and, and she's drawing water, and Jesus begins to talk to her. And through, the, through a discussion... Jesus gets into this discussion and he says to her, Jesus says, go call your husband and come here. And her response, I never thought about this before, but her response was actually really interesting and really critical because it showed that she was being honest before the Lord. She said, he said, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have said well that I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you have now is not your husband. In that you spoke the truth. You see, she was speaking truth. She, she came before the Lord. Now, it would have been so easy for her. She had never met this guy. Oh, I'm just going to go. and uh, Yeah, I'll, go, I'll get my husband. You know, go get your husband. Oh, yeah, I'll come back. I'll bring him. She didn't have to go in and say, well... I don't have a husband. She started out with a piece of truth, and that was an honesty before the Lord. And then as you w walk through that passage, it's really powerful there, because Jesus brings himself out to say, I am the living water. If you will drink of me, you will never thirst again. Start and be honest before the Lord. I want to encourage us all, let's be honest before the Lord. Lord, I need your help. See, that's humility. Lord, I need you in this area. Lord, you know what's going on in my life. This lady had all kind of pain. What's the best part is that our counselor already knows the pain that you're experiencing. He already knows everything about you. That's why this lady, she, she left. She ran from the well. She was so excited. How can, how can this be? This must be the Christ. Because he knows everything about me. Psalm 55, 22, cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will, never, he will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Cast your burden. We get to come before the wonderful counselor and cast our burden onto him. And he gives us the advice. He is so wonderful. He will help carry it. We get to cast it onto him. Secondly is listen to the Lord. Listen to him. Uh, we listen to him through his word. When we open up his word, uh, that's why we're going to be encouraging you the first year, re retool your Bible reading programs, refocus, re rethink about why, why is this so important. Not because we want you to gain some knowledge, because we want you to meet with the wonderful counselor. 
And when you meet with the wonderful counselor, he's going to, he's going to carry your burden. He's going to change your life. He's going to transform you. He's going to guide you. He's going to be able to change some of those areas that you're struggling with. And, and the struggles, we all struggle with different things at different times. So don't feel ashamed to come before the wonderful counselor. Come before him and lay this at his feet. Do what the counselor tells you to do, you know? Uh, sometimes I have people in my office and, and we'll be talking. I'll share with them some advice. And, uh, and, and sometimes there's a little homework assignment. And they'll go home and they'll do their homework assignment. And they'll come back and say, yay, we had a victory. You see, when you go to a, a, a real counselor, they, they keep giving you good increments and you, you can have the success. And, and God has given us all the advice that we need. It's right here. And he tells us how to live our life. And so as, as we're, we're searching, we're looking, we come before him. So now I have to respond and I have to do what he says. Uh, Jesus said, you'll be happy if you know these things. You'll be happy if you do them. If I know that, I, I know what God wants. I'll be happy. See, this is my wonderful counselor. And Jesus, Jesus was all about, hey, follow me. Now go. Go and do what I told you to do. If you look over in Mark chapter 10, you'll see a, a guy come before him and, uh, and he's asking him questions about the kingdom. And he went through and, you know, asked him all about uh, the, the guy says, you know, I basically have done all the good stuff. You know, I don't do all that, all the bad stuff. And then he says to him, Jesus looks at him and says, uh, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. And this man responded, sadly at his word and he went away in sorrow for he had great possessions and so at that point he wasn't willing to surrender he wasn't willing to to do what the counselor he wasn't willing to do what the wonderful counselor told him to do he wanted to hang on and stay at life as it is and so as you go and you look at some areas of your life there's things that god wants to change and as you respond to him there's faith in that moment there's faith in that moment. When we take that step out and we say, okay, Lord, you told me this is what you want me to do, and I go that way. And I begin to follow. What does the wonderful counselor say? It changes my life. It changes my attitude. It gives me peace inside. I get, everything changes because I have the wonderful counselor with me. Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. That is a powerful verse for me. The Lord says, I will counsel you with my eye upon you. His eye is on me. Thank the Lord that he is our wonderful counselor this morning. Let's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, I'd like to invite you this morning to, uh, to enjoy the wonderful counselor. This King Jesus who is coming, and as we're getting ready to celebrate the birth of the King, He is so different than any other King, for He came for those that needed a Savior. He came to heal the sick, and so this morning I ask you, first of all, if, if you've not opened your heart to trust Christ as your Savior, would you start that relationship with Him today? You can do that right here where you're sitting and just, just call upon Him. The Bible says... Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So this morning, would you just cry out unto him? Just pray this little prayer unto the Lord and invite him into your life this morning if that's the attitude of your heart. 
Just pray something like this. Dear God, I need you today. I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. I need you. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You came back to life again for me. And I want to trust that right now. Lord, I need you. I need you to be my wonderful counselor, Lord. Step into my life. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I'd like to encourage you to share that with somebody. Share it with somebody, your family, your friends, people who care about you. Just say, listen, God touched my heart this morning. God and His Word, I met God this morning. And for others in here, maybe, maybe there's some areas, maybe you've trusted Christ many years ago, but there's some areas that you need to respond to the Lord. You need to bring it before Him and let Him heal you. Let Him heal you of some of those big, heavy burdens that, that you've been carrying and you think you've carried them yourself. But yet, God says you can cast them on Him and let the wonderful counselor begin to work with you. Father God, I pray that you'll be with each person in this room as we respond to the goodness of God. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for being the wonderful counselor that you will guide our life. Thank you for being so awesome, so big, marvelous, more than words can explain. We love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing our closing song as we do. Feel free to respond to the Lord. Maybe just even in your seat, respond to Him. If you'd like to come and kneel and pray, feel free to do so.
Thanks for being here this morning. Isn't it great to be here in the house of the Lord? Uh, would you just uh, share a greeting as you leave? Meet somebody around you on your way out. Please grab a few of our Christmas Eve invites and uh, spread the word. God bless you. You are dismissed.